Voice of St. Louis original podcast. It's going to get cold. We've got our first freeze on tap, and that's coming up in the St. Louis All Local from the KMOX Newsroom. Today is Thursday, October 26th. I'm Michael Calhoun, our top local story. Get ready for some freezing weather. KMOX meteorologist Dave Murray has a first check of the forecast. Hi, Michael. Strap yourself in over the next couple of days. We have one more very warm day on Friday. Then here comes a cold front, a cold rain on tap really all weekend long, and then two to three nights of a hard freeze as we get into early next week. With the United Auto Workers and Ford coming to a tentative agreement, there is hope for the UAW strike that could come to an end. Wentzville Mayor Nick Guccione says the city's GM plant has brought other businesses to the city. GM has been a better very big catalyst for that because of, of GM. These other uh, industries have come to oneself. So uh, uh, it all kind of w- blends together. And he adds that because of that diversification, the city is not as economically dependent on the GM plant. Fire personnel detail the teamwork needed to save residents from last night's Touche Elderly Apartments fire in Cahokia Heights. With senior citizens populating the apartment, Camp Jackson Assistant Fire Chief Sharon Davis says it took some teamwork with non-fire personnel to get the residents in the upper floors who needed physical assistance out of the building. Some of them we left in the stairwell and uh, the maintenance worker from Touche Elderly Apartments actually was coming up and down taking the residents down. One senior citizen is dead following the blaze. It was the owner of the apartment, Judy St. John. The cause of the blaze is not yet known at this time. Outside the Cahokia Heights Fitness and Community Center, Sean Malone, KMOX News. Kirkwood police have found a missing teenager from North Carolina. The 16-year-old was found sitting in a car near the shopping center on Kirkwood Road. Convicted sex offender, 30-year-old Christopher Porter, now faces several charges after helping the teen run away from home. A St. Louis man admits in court to selling hundreds of fake tags, temporary license plates, and insurance cards. 35-year-old Mario Cook says he sold fake tank tags to an undercover officer in June of last year. When he's sentenced, he faces 10 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. On KMOX.com, we have the video from police showing a shootout with a suspect in Afton. The St. Louis County Police Department says it happened on Wednesday, September 20th on Rambler Drive. Police say 59-year-old Carl Shue was holding two handguns, pointing them at two responding officers. Shu sat down on the stoop in front of his house and called to police saying, are you both ready? Then the officers responded, calling to each other. Hey, dude, it's Aton. Hey, I'm ready. Aton. Drop the f- gun. Drop it. Shu was charged while he laid in the hospital, but later died. One of those bullets hit him. Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. Police say none of the officers involved were charged in the case. Obviously, I did not run for speaker, and I am not speaker. But Metro East Congressman Mike Bost has some thoughts about the long process that led to the new speaker, Mike Johnson. I wish that they would have never uh, brought up the motion uh, to vacate the chair. Especially after Bost reportedly got into it behind closed doors with Representative Matt Gates. Look. I don't have to like every one of the people I work with, but I sure have to work with them, and I can do that. He hopes Congress can avoid a government shutdown. Patients with cardiac disease are being reminded to get a flu shot since the virus can increase your risk for a heart attack. WashU cardiologist Dr. Mark Sintek at Barnes-Jewish Hospital says the flu can put you at high risk for complications and can make you six times more likely to have a heart attack. This is even more likely for older people with a heart condition. So it would be wise not to skip that flu shot. 
And he says there's also some thinking that the flu vaccine may actually be able to help prevent heart attacks altogether. In fact, there is some evidence to suggest that it does. It's not overwhelming evidence, but it is suggestive um, that um, having a vaccination could even pretend protect you from having a heart attack. Dr. Syntex says the flu can also cause pre-existing conditions to get worse. Fred Bottomer, KMOX News. MLS is recognizing City SC's success. It's been a history-making season for City SC, and now four individuals could win awards connected to their performances. MLS announcing the finalists for their major end-of-season awards. City coach Bradley Carnell is a finalist for the Coach of the Year Award, while Roman Berkey is up for the Goalkeeper of the Year. Edward Leuven is a finalist for the Newcomer of the Year, and Tim Parker is a finalist for the Defender of the Year. City begins their playoff run Sunday night at home against Sporting Kansas City. Matt Pauly, KMOX Sports. Old Town Donuts in Florissant is temporarily closed because of the St. Louis County Health Department ordering it because of an infestation of roaches. The Post-Dispatch reports the department inspected after social media complaints. The shop will be re-inspected after a pest control contractor completes its work. The KMOX Business Desk, the owner of the Riverfront Times, has bought Sauce Magazine and is bringing back the print edition in December. Sauce is a monthly publication about the St. Louis food scene. It stopped the print version in April but continued the digital content. It's another exciting California attraction. Southwest Airlines is beefing up daily service from St. Louis to Burbank, Long Beach, and San Diego. Lambert Director Rhonda Hamdenbrigge says Southwest is also using larger aircraft on most of its flights to St. Louis, since the seats are often getting filled by passengers just connecting through here. She also notes Southwest is also bumping Cancun up to twice daily. Are the uh, international facilities ready for that? Um... <laughs> Well, we, we think so. We'd like to see them a little more spread out. She says Saturdays are when customs really gets crowded. As we continue on KMOX, let's check in with Congressman Mike Bost of the Metro East. And first, Congressman, any thoughts or reaction to the unfolding situation in Maine? No, I think you know, we're watching, waiting, and, and as always, you'll, we'll have to get all the details, you know, uh, and, and find out. You know, uh, I mean, there's reports that he had a mental health condition. He came out of the hospital, a mental health facility not too long ago as well. Um, I don't know where the, you know, I, I, I can't question where their breakdown was. But, uh, you know, as the investigation goes on, we'll probably learn more. What's your reaction or what do you know? Uh, have you uh, had a lot of dealings with the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson? I actually have. Yeah, he's a really good guy, a uh, fantastic man. He is a uh, constitutional uh, scholar, and 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 uh, he's a, a very good attorney. Uh, he is also quite a uniter. Uh, he has strong conservative values, a uh, man of integrity. He was a uh, head of the uh, RSC, and he was actually the uh, chairman of that for one full year. Um, so he's got, uh, he does, I think he'll do a great job. We got a lot of problems ahead of us, but I think he's going to be able to steady the ship. I wish it hadn't taken three weeks to get through the situation, but it is what it is. And now we're getting right to work. And he is, uh, he made sure of that last night. As soon as we got done and got swore, him sworn in, uh, we immediately went right back to the floor. We moved the resolution on Israel. Uh, we're now working on uh, the energy uh, uh, appropriations and all others, but we've uh, been working on amendments on the floor. We've had about uh, 20 votes, and we've got another 20 or so before we uh, head back to the district for just a short period of time. What was supposed to be back in district next week, they've shortened, they, they, they're bringing us back to try to make up for those three weeks and then the week after that as well. 
And uh, what should people know about, you know, a lot of the emails that we've gotten, especially from Democrats, have uh, pointed out what they call extremist views from Mike Johnson. How do you characterize, uh, you know, his his views and, and how do you, I guess, allay some of those concerns that uh, we've been getting? I'm telling you that I think he explained, expressed himself very well in his speech yesterday on how he can work in a bipartisan manner. Now, understand that Democrats are going to call whoever they want extremist if I don't agree exactly with them. You know, um, I have had the Democrats call me extreme. And you know what? That's part of this process, I guess. Um, but I can tell you this. I believe that, the, that we picked the right guy. And uh, he is a truly a man of faith. Uh, he will he will make wise decisions and we will move forward. And the and, and I believe we'll also when people around this nation see the progress that we will make uh, under his leadership, you'll see the House majority up on the Republican side of the aisle climb. Do you think that uh, before the deadline, there'll be an agreement or do you think there there's a chance of government shutdown? I we are going to do everything we can to try to avoid a government shutdown. Understand that the House Republicans, even before this started, had already passed 70% of the actual financial parts of the budget, okay? But it's not, it, it had only passed four bills, but they were the bigger bills. Um, so we still have another eight bills to try to pass and get across the finish line over to the Senate. Uh, if we need to do a, a extension, that he'll have to negotiate that, as did Kevin McCarthy. And uh, but, but uh, shutting down at a time whenever we have ships setting off to the, uh, the shores in Israel, uh, when we have um, uh, all kinds of things going on with the border crisis, a government shutdown is not a wise thing to do. And in terms of uh, Ukraine, Israel, do, do you look at and does the conference look at uh, both of those issues kind of the same or is it one line of thinking on Ukraine versus Israel? I, I think for the sake of the members and, you know, I'm. Obviously, I did not run for speaker, and I am not speaker. As they move forward and leadership moves forward, I think there's a consensus, though, to separate those issues uh, because there are some people that uh, want to vote for your vote, vote for Israel, but not necessarily for Ukraine. There's and there's other things that are in there, and they're also wanting to get HR two, which is the border issue, uh, put together uh, to make sure we're we're dealing with that in the right way. Do you think that if border Ukraine and Israel are all together, that uh, that some who may be on the on the fence about uh, Ukraine might might come to the table on that? Um, I I don't know on on the, I don't want to danger endanger um, certain ones by keeping them all together. I think that our our job is to vote for those subjects separately. Uh, if it comes up, they, they keep them together, which I don't think they will in the House. They may in the Senate. But I don't think they're going to keep them together in the House, and and I think we'll 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 vote on them as separate issues. And just how do you uh, how do you characterize uh, the situation now coming out of uh, you know the the weeks uh, without a speaker? There was a bit of a dispute uh, between you and Matt Gates uh, reportedly in one of these closed door meetings. How does the conference move forward? Well, we have to move forward because that's what the people have elected us to do, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to be dealing with the border. We're going to be able to deal with this. Uh, we, we've got a farm bill that we have to get ready. Uh, look, th this was a uh, this was a trying time. It's something that we've never had done in history before. Um, uh, I wish that they would have never uh, brought up the motion to, uh, to vacate the chair. That's uh, been around for a long, long time. We, they always considered that the nuclear option. The only time it wasn't in in was when Nancy Pelosi took over, and she kind of took that up that away, so no one would do this. Uh, but um, at any rate, we're going to have to deal with it. They, they, 
look, I don't have to like every one of the people I work with, but I sure have to work with them and I can do that. All right. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. As we continue on KMOX, Southwest Airlines grows again at Lambert Airport with more daily flights to California and more daily international service. Let's get the latest from Lambert Director Rhonda Homnabriggy. So, you know, another exciting announcement for us this morning, we're going into Burbank, California with daily service starting in June of next year with our largest partner, Southwest. So it's another exciting California attraction, uh, and we've seen some additions into the California market, obviously, with the reentry uh, as well of San Francisco. So this is exciting for us. And then in addition, you know, there's a couple more upgrades coming to us on this June schedule, and that is some weekend service into places. Uh, Norfolk and into Savannah. Both of those have, you know, destination leisure travel markets. So when you go in with a weekend service like that, it's to test that market a little bit and to see if there's a, a demand there. And if so, you know, then perhaps both of those markets could go more than just the weekend service that we're currently seeing uh, come June. But it's three new markets uh, added to St. Louis with Southwest. And so I think it just shows that continuing growing partnership. Yeah, this is another example of how you might look at just uh, the total number of flights and that's it, but there are all sorts of other metrics you can take a look at to see how, you know, how robust uh, Southwest schedule is coming into here. Seats is one of those. Yeah, it, it's absolutely, you have to look at the seats because if we, we think about most of the aircraft that were being flown a decade ago, while they were all 7.3s, they were, you know, the Dash 300s or Dash 400s where you might have had 136 seats, 146 seats. So you, st- you start putting aircraft through here with 186 seats and, and that, I believe, and I'd have to look at the number, but I think it's probably close to, to 70% of the market share is the larger aircraft out of St. Louis. Well, there's not always enough local market to fill those, but that shows the strength of the connecting traffic being pushed through St. Louis. So the larger aircraft allows more opportunity for people to book seats on that connecting piece, which obviously brings more opportunity in for the customers based here locally. So you have to look at more, you know, you look at the new destinations, you look at total flights, but you also look at seats, which is an important measurement for the industry. Hey, we can see Saturday service uh, to Hilton Head in Norfolk, but when it comes to this new daily service in California, you touched on this, but is it is it more leisure-driven, business-driven, or is it really driven by the fact that uh, so many people from smaller Midwest cities are coming through St. Louis to get to those places? What's what's really the driving factor behind uh, you know Burbank and Long Beach and San Diego? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly it is, uh, all of those have very high connecting uh, passengers on those markets, so I think it is a combination of both the local market here uh, wanting to go to California. I think you see Burbank as a little bit more of a leisure destination where L.A. typically or San Francisco were more the business markets, and, and, and really San Diego is a mixture of those. You see a lot of conventions in San Diego, you see some business opportunities in San Diego, but it's all also a high leisure marketplace. And can you put this into context? Uh, you know, people always like to look back, think about the American TWA days. Uh, you know, Southwest doesn't use the term hub, but how do you put into context uh, the the connection point, I guess, that we have in St. Louis compared to some of those points in the past? Yeah, I mean, we are we're inching toward those number of destinations. Obviously, there's a 
still a handful of destinations that we served back in, you know, 2006, 2007, in that peak time that we don't serve today, but we are getting much, much closer to those destinations. You know, we announced Montreal last month, so we've got Montreal starting in May. Um, and so I think we've just, you know, we've, we've had this approach to really try and grow the partnerships with all of our airlines to make sure that we can attract as many markets as possible. And from the southwest side, uh, where do we rank in terms of uh, their mega stations? Are we, we in the top ten? We certainly are uh, one of their mega stations, and I'd have to look. We're either in that 10 or 11. Mike, I didn't confirm that with his latest schedule, but we're certainly in that range of the 10 or 11 top markets. So uh, that's that's a really good place to be. So when you think about you know 60% of our market share being on Southwest, and 35% of that market share is connecting, you know that's eking up toward maybe 36 or 37% as we get into next spring and next summer with these added markets that we're seeing. The other piece that's not in the news is Cancun's going to go to twice daily on Southwest on this schedule. So they service Cancun daily now, and I think there's some uh, peak uh, times during the year where they serve it twice uh, on the weekends, but it's also going to go to twice daily service on Cancun. Are the uh, international facilities ready for that? Um, <laughs> well, we we think so. We'd like to see them a little more spread out uh, other than, uh, on, you know, Saturdays. We, there's obviously plenty of opportunity during most of the weekdays. Saturdays gets very busy down there. Um, you know, I think if we look at the schedule next summer, we're probably going to have eight or nine flights arriving on Saturdays from uh, the Caribbean, Mexico markets. The Montreal market is pre-cleared in Canada, as is the Toronto market, so that's nice, and that those customers are pre-cleared before they have to arrive in St. Louis, so that's helpful on a flight like that. But, you know, it is one of the things as we as we think about the future and we think about the potential of this consolidated terminal, obviously the design will include a much larger international area and gates uh, accessibility with that. Well, thank you, Rhonda. Always a joy to talk to you. All right, you too, Mike. Thanks. And finally, before we check in with Roger Brand, with the World Series about to kick off is our hometown, one of America's best baseball cities. We already know the answer, but... It's America's favorite pastime, but for some cities, it's more than others. Wallet Hub has released its list of the best cities for baseball in the United States, and New York, Los Angeles, and St. Louis round out the top three. The rankings were based on everything from ticket prices to the number of games won by the home team. It includes minor league and college teams, too. Atlanta Boston, Chicago, and Cleveland are also in the top 10. Jen Clark, CBS News. Thank you for subscribing to the St. Louis All Local, and if you don't, you can do so on the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast app.